I had my uh, referee bag in the car because I've got, uh, I got a game this afternoon, so I figured I'd make this all better. No? Not better? Not better. Not, not, not better. Uh, we're, we're in the series called Braveheart, so I've got the plaid going on, and so um, I figure that this is going to be more distracting than just what... Yeah, so uh, next week... Next week, here's what you can do. Uh, you can invite people to church and tell them that your, your pastor takes off clothes on stage. <laughs> There's another joke I could give, but I'm not going to say that. I don't want to give Jack any more material than what I already do. Um, so we are concluding the series called Braveheart. We're taking a look at the mission of, of the church that God has for his church. And it's based on the vision that he has for his church. The vision is, is that we are the building blocks that are being built together. The people are the building blocks that are being built together. Uh, and we leave the door open uh, for people who do not know God, are not familiar with Jesus, so that they can come into our house, not our house is in our building, but our house is in our people, in order to know about God. And Acts, the, 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 the book of Acts that is in the Bible, written by a guy by the name of Luke, uh, um, it, it shows the very early church going on this mission and accomplishing this mission, putting flesh on the vision that God has for his people. And so we've been all over the place. Uh, if you want to catch up to where we've been, we have an app that you can go download all the sermons uh, and episodes on. But today we're going we're gonna to finish with a, um, with, with, with a story uh, from Acts chapter 17 of Paul in Athens. It's, it's one of my favorite stories, uh, uh, one of most, really to me, the, one of the most brilliant, amazing, intelligent stories of Acts. Um, and also... Of all the biblical places in, in, in the Bible, all, all the places, the real places that are in the Bible, this is the one I have been to. I have set feet on this place that we're going to talk about today. Uh, and so it gets me excited to talk about it because, you know, I've, I've been there. I've seen it and, and uh, seen the sites uh, that Paul would have seen when he talked about this. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse uh, 16, and we'll throw the scriptures up on the screen. We, we put an event in the Bible app. If you, if you have not downloaded the Bible app for your smartphone or tablet, I encourage you to download the Bible app. Uh, uh, it, almost every translation in English, and then I don't know how many in other languages, if you're bilingual here, which would you know, make you very unique. Uh, in, in America. Uh, but uh, uh, we also put uh, events in the Bible app where you can follow along and you can take notes, which I didn't put any points in there. Uh, and, and God's kind of working on me on how to present and how to bring and how to study and uh, what, to, what, to, what to give uh, uh, when it comes to here. Um, you're, you're big people, right? You're adults. You can figure out what to write down and what God uh, is laying on your heart. Um, and so there's a spot to take notes, but uh, didn't, didn't give any points. Uh, but also there are some study scriptures to, to take the thought, the theme farther. You have to save the event in the Bible up in order to come back to those. But 
Acts chapter 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens. What's going on here, the lead up to this, is this, that Paul, uh, he got a vision to go to Macedonia. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Got a vision to go to Macedonia, uh, and he went. And Thessalonica was one of the first uh, uh, places that Paul went when he went to the region of Macedonia. And so when he went to Thessalonica, he taught the Jews. There, this is him all. He went to the synagogue to teach the Jews in every place that he went. The Jews didn't like what he was teaching, so they started a riot. Paul took that as God's will to leave Thessalonica, and he went to Berea. The Jews there, they were more accepting of the message. But the Jews in Thessalonica found out that Paul was teaching in Berea. They came over to Berea and started a riot there. Paul's friends, I don't know exactly how this went, but Paul's friends got Paul and said, look, here's the deal riots are following us everywhere so let's do this you go to athens the major city of uh of greece uh and and big huge city you go there and i don't know if they really said this or not i just imagined that that they said this lie low until we get there all right just chill out for a little bit and get there don't start any riots please Right? This is kind of my imagination. So Paul went on to Athens. He was waiting for them there, but Paul, being the type triple A that he is, he cannot leave anything alone. His spirit was troubled within him when he saw that the city was the city uh, was full of idols. When you cross full and city, that's what you get. Fitty was full of idols. Trouble in spirit, as some Christians would interpret that, means like he got angry with them. No. He was saddened. He was burdened. He was crushed in his heart that these, the, 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 the Athenians made hundreds, if not thousands of idols for all of these gods, and that's what they worshipped. He was troubled and burdened within. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews, and to those who worshiped God, and in the marketplace every day, and with those who happened to be there. Then also some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers argued with him. Four different types of people that Paul engaged. One, the religious. Those who grew up religious. They were born religious. He talked with them. He reasoned with them. He didn't argue with them. He didn't berate them. He reasoned with them. Then those who worshiped God, they were not Jews, but they did say, I don't know about all these hundreds, if not thousands of of gods, so I'm going to worship one true God, but they they didn't grow up Jews. Then you've got people in the marketplace. If you've been to a foreign country, you've been to a marketplace where, where all these uh, street merchants are lined up and you just walk through and everybody's there, or at least you've seen like the mummy or something where, where you've got that type of, type of situation going on. And he just went there and he reasoned with people, but he also reasoned with the philosophers of the day. The philosophers, as, as we see in just a minute, all they did was sit around talking about stuff. Like, how do you get that job, Right? get called into ministry that's what some say what is the pseudo intellectual trying to say this babbler trying to say they didn't there wasn't a box to put him in others replied he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about jesus and the resurrection people don't know what to do with people who believe in a resurrection right we like we don't know what to do with you. We don't know uh, how to deal with this Jesus guy and the fact that he resurrected himself from the dead. Plus, on top of that, 
Atheism to them was not not believing in any gods. Atheism to them was believing that there was only one God, right? They worshipped hundreds if not thousands of gods, so they viewed Paul as an atheist. Like, what do you mean you only worship one God? Are you nuts? You a babbler? You crazy? They took him and brought him to the Areopagus, Mars Hill, all right? Well, we know of Mars Hill because enough people stumbled through that they wanted to give it another name. And this is what the, this is this is Mars Hill, right? Right here, right here. This is Mars Hill. This is Mars Hill, right there. That's Mars Hill. They would go up there, and all day long, all day long, and they say, "May we learn about this new teaching you're speaking of?" For what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these ideas mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. So they would go up on this hill, sit around, and talk about it. Talk about stuff that's new. They would hear stuff that's new. We've got that place today, right? It's not a hill. It's called Facebook. You spend all day there doing nothing but hearing and sharing and talking about new stuff. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. Just new stuff. Can you believe what Hillary did? Look who's suing Donald Trump, right? Like clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. We do nothing but sharing and talking about anything new. But <laughs> Paul did not shy away from this place. Christians today use church as a place to come bunker themselves into away from the bad, evil, wicked, nasty world. That's not what the church is. The church are people built together with the door wide open for those who don't believe. And we have to go engage where people are talking about new stuff. Why do I encourage you? Whatever God is saying to you, put that on Facebook. Because it's where people hear new stuff. Check in to Crosspoint. Share the blog posts. Like the blog posts. Why? This is where people go to hear and view new things. It's the modern day Mars Hill. Where else do people go in order to talk about stuff? Why have we vacated those places? They're evil. Great. The darker the place is, the lighter the light shines. The worse our culture gets, the lighter the light shines. Our culture's tough. Everybody knows just enough about Jesus to hurt themselves. But when you show up in a culture like Athens that knows nothing about Jesus, the light shines brighter and the hope shines brighter and the faith shines brighter and the peace shines brighter and the joy shines brighter and the love shines brighter. 
We shouldn't be scared of America going to secular, secularism because the light shines brighter when people don't have hope. And there's no hope. So what did Paul preach? What did Paul say? Then Paul stood in the middle of Mars Hill and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. Notice this. Did he berate them or respect them? Respect, right? He didn't say, how can you do this? You are idiots. You are sinful people. No. So I can see you're religious. Well done. Well done. He respects them. For as I was passing through and observed the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. This tells us a lot about their religion. Uncertainty, right? Hundreds if not thousands of gods. And just in case they missed one, here's the unknown God. Just in case this unknown God, this God we didn't know about, came down here and saw we didn't have a shrine to them, lest He just nuke us with a bolt of lightning, we go, no, 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 we just didn't know you. Don't. We just didn't know you. Look, 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 just in case. Right? It's uncertainty. They didn't know if God loved them. They didn't know if their gods liked them. They didn't know how to appease their gods. They didn't know if their gods would take away their sin or nuke them because of their sin. Their religion was based on uncertainty. See Paul's response. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, not, he's not being mean, he's just simply saying, you didn't know this. You didn't know this. You, you just have had, had, had years upon years upon uh, years of, of history going in this direction. You just didn't know all this. This I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. I imagine when he said the, 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 the Lord does not live in shrines made by hand, he pointed to this building. This is the view from Mars Hill. The Parthenon. The shrine. To the goddess Athena, but also all of these hundreds if not thousands of gods. I imagine him saying, the Lord is not, is not a God who resides in shrines built by men. See, what Paul is saying is, this God is bigger than buildings. This is why we are crazy as a church to think the building is the church. During VBS one year in one church, our, our children's minister got in trouble for allowing the kids to bounce a beach ball back and forth. This is God's house. How dare you? No, this is not God's house. This used to be a furniture store. Nothing holy about that. The people is God's house. God is much bigger than our building. 
And if we keep Him in our building, we can never see what God can do. Never. That's what He's telling them. This God is much bigger than the God that, gods that you have. This God is much bigger than the, than the shrines that you make and the buildings that you, that you build. For one man, from one man, Oh, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. It's like, wait a minute, doesn't he, want, doesn't he call us to serve? Yes, but what Paul is getting at is this, is that they would do all this stuff to serve their gods and they didn't know if their gods even liked it or not. And Paul is telling them, look, this God doesn't need you to serve Him. He's not that small. He is so big, He doesn't have to have anyone to serve Him because He put in you life and breath and He gave you everything that you have. He doesn't need you to serve Him for that. He's given you, giving you already everything that you need. See what He's telling them? You live in uncertainty in your religion. But I know for certain that my God cares for you. He has made, from one man, He has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He has put you right here, right now, for one reason. We'll get to that in a second. But what He is telling them is what? God loves you. He cares for you. He has put you right where you are right now in order to listen to this message. He did this so they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find Him though He is not far from each one of us. Hear that? You don't know if your God, gods are close to you. I know my God is right here close to you, even though you don't know it. Those of you here this morning wondering about this whole Jesus thing, that's the message. That's the gospel. That despite us walking away from Him, He walked to us. And He came close to us. We know. We are certain that He cares for us. We are certain that He loves us. We are certain that He is close to us. We are certain that He will wash away our sins. We are certain that He will raise us from the dead. We are certain that He will give us brand new life. We are certain that He will give us hope. We are certain that He will give us love. We are certain that He will give us joy. We are certain that He will give us peace. We are certain that He will give us faith. It is not faith to believe in something that is uncertain. That is not faith. That is a wish. And this God proved it. Proved it. He did this so they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find Him though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist as even some of our, your own poets have said for we are also his offspring. He didn't go quote the Old Testament. He didn't go quote the Bible. He didn't go quote, quote scriptures. He quoted one of their own prophets. Because God has put this in every one of our hearts. And he went to quote one of their prophets because we can see this in music. We can see this in movies. We can see this 
everywhere what God has written in our hearts because it just bubbles out of us even if we don't know it or not. Paul was brilliant. He knew the Athenians. They could care less about the Old Testament. So I can't use it. Let me use one of their own poets. For we are his offspring. Being God's offspring, then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human heart, art and imagination. If we are God's offspring, if God created us, if God gave us breath, if God gave us life, these things, these pieces of wood, these pieces of stone, these pieces of gold cannot be God. Why? Because these are our offspring. If we are God's offspring, these cannot be God. Look at the brilliance of this, right? These cannot be God. Why? We cannot create God. Did he quote the Ten Commandments? No. Is this one of them? Yes. I saw a guy, a guy by the name, another pastor by the name of Timothy Keller went and spoke at Google recently about his latest book. This culture, it's not that they don't care about Christians or they don't care about what we have to say. It's just that they don't care about how we say it. This word contextualization is about speaking the heart language of the culture around us. And Timothy Keller knows how to speak intellectual language. Much smarter than I am. And he gets invited by people like Google to come speak to their employees. But God's put something inside of every one of us to be able to speak the heart language of those around us. And Paul says, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Look, you didn't know, but now you do know. Repentance is just simply confession with action. Saying, oh man, I see it now. I want a different life. Because he has set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. There is a plumb line of righteousness. And this plumb line is the life of Jesus. And that is the plumb line. We either get better than Jesus and we make it to heaven or we don't and we go to hell. That's the judgment. And so the common question would be, what makes this guy so special? He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When you get to resurrect yourself from the dead, you get to judge people by righteousness, right? You have to deal with that. You see, this is the gospel. The God came here to take care of all this. Contextualization is taking that message and speaking it in the heart language of those around us. And so for children, what that means is 
we let them worship in here with us when it's exciting and they don't have to be perfect. We can let them jump around and bounce around and teach us a little bit about worshiping God like a child. And then when things slow down and get a little bit boring, they go into their culture to be discipled and be made a disciple in their context. They're watching videos right now that looks a little bit more like Disney and Disney XD than it does church. Why? That's our context, right? And we need people to pour into these little lives, to build a foundation. They need more than their parents to build a foundation into them about who Jesus is and what it is about Him that we should be, be, be trusting in Him. Tuesday night, randomly, sitting at dinner, Noah, yes, our Noah, quoted the point from the previous week. I about choked on my food. That's what you get the opportunity to do when you disciple kids over there. Even in nursery, you get to show the love of God before even telling them about Him. In their context. Some of you left church because church was awfully boring. And you kept getting in trouble for being a kid in church. You know, Tim Hawkins talk about my mama, right? You know, like, you remember your mama in church? Stop that! Stop that! Or she played the piano? She stared at you with Superman eyes? That's not context. That's not discipling kids in their context. My mama didn't play the piano, so it's all right. Music. Why do we open up with a secular song? Tear down walls, right? Have a little bit of fun. Let people that walk in here with only one perspective, Alice, 95.5, to go, whoa, what's going on here? And if they go, whoa, about the music, they're more apt to listen to the message. Why is one of our sayings, everybody laughs? Contextualization, right? Everybody wants to laugh. Worship. Why do we do worship in this way? Contextualization. Worship should never be like a concert. You do if you want people who are far from God to be interested in it. Right? If people are willing to pay over a hundred bucks for Taylor Swift or the Rolling Stones or whatever floats your stone, then we got to do something that's beyond an organ. That went out a few years ago. Connection team. That's probably the most important team that we've got. Greeters, the, 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 the door openers, the, the, the hospitality. We want to get people uh, even focused on, on 
watching for people that are that are that are that are uh, uh, first time guests to be able to show them around. Why is that important? Probably because people have made a decision on whether to come back again or not before the first note is struck up here. And if everybody is not talked to, because they've been there before. And it's on all of our shoulders to create that culture here. Admin team, they keep us afloat and out of legal trouble. If the IRS shuts us down, we got no church to come to. Right? Accounting and the attendance and, and the finances and, 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 and all of that allows us to be able to know behind the scenes are we doing what we need to do. God has put something in you to be able to speak the, 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 the language of our culture. Whether it be sports or comic books or movies or whatever. Hunting, outdoors, whatever. In order for us to be able to lead people away from their idols, we don't worship idols of clay and stone and gold anymore. We worship idols of comfort and sex. We worship idols of safety. We worship idols of of appearance and image for people to lay down their idols and walk towards Jesus. God has given us platforms to be able to do this. What is your platform that God has given? I haven't done a good job of this in this series of, of, of talking about this, but it takes a commitment. Early on in Acts, we, talk, we see devoted, they're devoted, they're devoted, they're devoted. It takes a commitment. We don't push church attendance. Because church attendance doesn't show commitment. But at the same time, we cannot be built together if we are not with each other either. Guaranteed, if all you do is show up to church and leave, and there's nothing else, the newness of what Crosspoint is will wear off, and the lust over what Crosspoint is will wear off, and you'll go find another church to lust for. But if you get deeper in what looks like a small group or disciple-making relationship, at minimum, one-on-one with somebody to go deeper with the truths of God with and go deeper about life with, you're more apt to stick and be committed. But then if you, if you stand shoulder to shoulder to serve with people and you commit to that, you'll be committed to the people who are the church. And I ask you, not out of meanness, if you're not willing to commit to that, find a group of people you are. Because that's what the church is. Sitting in seats is not the church. I understand some of you are brand new and you're figuring this thing out. I'm not talking to you. Those of you that have been around, what are you committed to? 
I'm not saying you've got a ton of time. That's fine. But what are you committed to to make Crosspoint better? To be able to speak the language of our culture. The language of our culture. We are a content business. Content creator business. The language of our culture. How does our culture consume content? And how can you help that? How can you help push the message further? How can you help the message be spoken in here? How? Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for giving us all platforms and gifts and talents to be able to to be able to um, speak the heart language of people. Lead us all, lead us all to being able to be committed with a group of people to do this better and stronger and more deeply. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Crosspoint On Demand. Next week, we are starting a brand new series called Building Blocks. The family is the building block of the church. It's the first church, but that is also how we learn how to live in community. It's how we learn how to deal with conflict. It's how we learn how to love. It's how we learn how to listen to authority and father and mother figures. Join us next week, October 30th, live or on demand for our brand new series, Building Blocks.